Welcome to Career in Ruins, where you regret your life choices, but keep digging deeper. <laughs> but Derek, what is Career in Ruins? Well, Lawrence, Career in Ruins is a weekly podcast where we discuss archaeology, we interview colleagues, we try to learn a bit a bit a little bit about the profession, what it takes to work in this in this field to really bring the past to life. Archaeology, that's just dinosaurs and stuff, isn't it? No, it's Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we doing this week? Um, this week you popped out to Sweden. And you met up with Christian Horn? I did, my old friend Christian Horn. We've been hanging out and working together for years. He's a very interesting guy. And we, we chat about uh, rock art, uh, Bronze Age warriors, phalluses and sausages. <laughs> the perfect combination. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, should we dive straight in with the interview? Or do you want to give me a bit of a hit on some of the things that have caught your interest? Oh, it's week? been an interesting week this week. I've been pondering... Some news caught my eye this week about Creswell Crags. Mm -hmm. um, have you, you familiar with the site? Where, whereabouts is that? Uh, it's up in Yorkshire, I think. Of oh, course, cool. that's the there's a cave. Yeah, cave it's a um, Paleolithic rock art site. Um, you can go deep down in and see these etchings of old animals, <laughs> essentially. But what's interesting Just about cows, it, cows and sheep, or oryx, oryx, and yeah, ancient yeah. old, 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 cows and sheep, or oryx, oryx, ancient, old, 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 saber tooth tigers, of that sort of time, okay, that sort yeah, of period, yeah. yeah. Um, and but that's not the bit that's been interesting me this week. There's been they've discovered some etchings on the door where it looks like in the 16th and 17th century some random individuals up there have been a bit scared maybe about what they see inside and have put witch marks uh, to ward off evil spirits. Witch marks? Yeah, it's it's etchings where they've kind of carved these um, runes or... These... Is that, sometimes I see, you see above windows like a series of concentric circles that have always made a flower shape. Yeah, right? yeah, it's to okay. kind of stop, stop the movement of evil spirits. And while there's no evidence to connect what's going on down in the deep caves with the paleolithic stuff and the modern stuff i quite like the idea of someone in the 16th century wandering down with a candle and seeing these flickering animals on the walls and getting a bit freaked out and and uh, witches be here yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's fascinating so they've only just discovered that well they've they've known that they've been there for years but uh it's only recently they've kind of studied them and identified them they've kind of been written off as graffiti um for the last 30, 40 years. Or just, just visitors just yeah, doing just, a thing. Uh, kids, you know. Derek was here. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah. So how about you? What have you been up to this week? I've been delving into the realms of planning archaeology this That week. sounds awful. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's a completely different genre of archaeology that I'm used to, but I'm sort of dabbling and stuff. Starting to get a feel for it. But um, we visited a site that's going under planning development at the moment and a new new building's going going on in this. It's, it's a um, historic town, market town, or village, I should say. Um, but they've recently discovered a um, cemetery that runs into the early 20th century, but um, it's a Quaker cemetery. Um, but, like the oats. Like the oats. I'm pretty sure they prefer to be remembered for more than just oats, but yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's been really interesting to see how pl the planning system has worked around um, the archaeological remains and sensitivities around death and mm. burial, and also the pragmatism around the, how the developer has been and and the commercial archaeology unit, um, Jackie um, from Wessex Archaeology, were there mm. providing um, professional advice and. Uh, 
and it's just nice to see the whole approach from the planning archaeologists and the planning system, the developer, the commercial archaeologists, um, working together to get the best um, for the archaeological remains, mm. but also for modern day development and not stopping development from taking place. It's uh, interesting because it's something certainly family and friends often say to me like what do you do in archaeology what's why would you have a career in ruins why why go out and study the past surely you're just doing it for yourself or just to for people interested in history but it's actually an active part of the planning process isn't it that's it and um if if we're not engaged if we're not protecting it then it will be lost but we're gaining information whether it's rescue archaeology because there's going to be a whole new housing estate going in but that that bronze age barrow has been fully excavated and recorded and we've learned about the past and the practices of um death and burial or whether it's uh 20th century um graveyard uh, it, it's it we're able to protect it, learn from it, and make sure that everyone's getting the best from it whilst ensuring improvement and progression. So I've been enjoying that this week. Mm, it's been a good learning curve. That's it. But enough about us um, and what we've been getting excited about. As, as we hinted at, you popped out to Sweden this week. Yeah, I had a really, really fun few days. Um, I, I flew out on a Friday to go to a conference um, on West Swedish archaeology, um, considering I'm a Brit working in Greece. It was an unusual environment for me. Um, but it, it, was a, it was a great session. But while I was there, I caught up with an old colleague of mine, uh, Christian Horn, who uh, he's a fascinating guy, as, as you'll hear from the interview. Um, he, we've been working together for quite a few years now. He's, he studies things like warfare, the Bronze Age, and most recently rock art. So he, he, he covers a huge swathe of interesting things. And uh, I caught up with him a little bit about how he got to, to where he is and, and what really makes him tick. Excellent. I'm looking forward to this. So before we get going into sort of the questions I'm supposed to ask you, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got to where you, you are now? Oof, uh, like start right from the beginning? Or? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> go for it. Okay. <laughs> I start with a doctorate, which I did in, in Berlin on uh, a very typical PhD on uh, a single category of object, uh, what was thought to be a Bronze Age weapon. It turns out to be, a, it's a bit older. It's called Helbert's. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, I moved to Gothenburg on a um, EU-funded project led by Christian Christiansen and Helmut Kilde, mm-hmm. all these people. Uh, yeah, I was there for almost two years doing or continuing research on weaponry, but this time on Bronze Age weaponry for real. Mm. And then the, the grand uh, finale of that was the, the warfare conference ah, yeah, where, we, we where we first met. Yeah. And then like, we, immediately afterwards, I, I went to uh, Kiel University uh, to the graduate school of uh, human development and landscapes. Fancy. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful, but yeah. Uh, that was a five year position as a postdoc. Yeah. Essentially. Um, we started. Um, developing a new project for the federal government. Uh, yeah, my, my research was still on conflict, and, and, and mm. but it, it sort of transitioned into, into doing rock art. I was here in, in Sweden um, every year to do 
rock art documentation and research on that. Mm. And then um, I got I got a call from Johan Ling uh-huh. um, whether I want to come back to Sweden. And I decided, yes, I want to come back to Sweden. That's <laughs> that was it. fantastic. So when you started out, it was looking at a single weapon, as you said. Yeah. Was conflict and understanding conflict a motivator of that? Or did the, the conflict side of it develop as you kind of developed your interest? Um, so these, these weapons uh, were always thought of as being very short-lived and as pure signifiers of status or ritual mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And me and my PhD supervisor always thought that to be a bit silly. Mm. That, you know, that's just a purely a symbol. Well, yeah, because what, yeah. that's, what does that mean? That's a lot of effort to go to to make a symbol, isn't it? Yeah, it's... exactly. Um, and a symbol usually stands for something yeah. to which it is connected. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I studied these things um, and then started doing useware on them. And, yeah, turns out there's a lot of useware on them which is nicks and um, dents and stuff mm. like this, which are, you know, um, it's not an offering animal that hits back. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we could, I think I could prove that they're weapons. Okay. Um, that's fantastic. So you identified the evidence of conflict by yeah. looking very closely at the edges. That's yeah. that's good. That's amazing. So from there you moved, or you now you work more in the field of rock art. Yeah. Um, how... Was it the, the conflict that led you to rock art symbolisms of conflict, or was it a tangential thing? Mm. Well, initially it was just a fascination with techniques, because mm. um, uh, Rich showed me how to do RTI. Uh, oh, so the, the, <laughs> it was more of a challenge of the recording yeah. of rock yeah, art. Yeah, so than... the imaging technique was it. and then But then if you look at Scandinavian rock art, it's... Uh, warriors and weapons and all that it's hardly to avoid mm. because it's uh, apart from boats it's sort of the majority of uh depictions are people with weapons so uh, yeah i must admit you've uh, you've turned me to your cause a little bit recently <laughs> i uh, i've been increasingly enjoying reading and looking at more and more scandinavian bronze age rock yeah. art it does seem to tell a story it tells, yeah. it's it's got a lot more life to it than looking at the old artifact it gives 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 a little bit more of that side of bronze age life so you're looking at rock art now that's your big project at the moment isn't it um, yeah. so where do you see that going over the next few few years um well my, my project right now is just uh it's an infrastructure project is yeah. what it's called and it's more uh, it's closer to method development mm. so it's not research per se at the moment um i would like if we could um reach a stage where we can make rock art throughout europe more comparable mm. because right now it's a bit difficult because in different regions people have used very different documentation methods mm-hmm. in parts not very precise documentation methods uh, so if we could uh, push it to 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 the use of three D documentations more, that would be good because mm. then you can compare uh, uh, rock art over wide distances easier. Because I mean, you can't move rock art, yeah, uh, <laughs> and compare them directly. So 
that's that. The other thing is I'm I'm quite hooked at the moment on the the human depictions in Rockart mm -hmm. and which objects do they have and which body features do they have. But that's not a paid project yet. Uh, now you mentioned body features. Could you yeah. tell us a bit more about the the types of body features you, uh, sure. you can identify on Rockart? There's some. Uh, the the human figures are generally more or less stick men, mm. um, <laughs> but they have uh, sometimes some exaggerated features. Clearly exaggerated features. Yeah. Um, it's calves. Mm -hmm. um, some have. It's always called a beak, but it could also be a nose, yeah. like in the face. Yeah. Uh, big hands, way too big hands. Mm -hmm. Large fingers. Long feet. There's of course, I mean, uh, the phallus is always a thing, mm, just... um, which is actually the most frequent one. Um, I think. So they're predominantly male depictions or are they female depictions? It's hard to say. Um, we have, a, I've calculated, or I've, in my database, I have about 4,000 human depictions. Mm. I know there are more. Um, and the large majority doesn't have any sexual indicators. Mm. Uh, about a third has a phallus. That's fascinating. And about 18 figures are clearly identifiable as female. Mm. So there seems to be a disproportion. Yeah. yeah. Well, of course, we don't know about the unsexed There's figures. There's a huge mix in yeah. the middle, yeah. Fair enough. So the... Do you have any theories, or are there any theories within sort of rock art study of what the phallus symbolises when it's in this exaggerated form? Is it masculinity, warriorhood, or is it? It's a, a lot. It's <laughs> a lot of um, different <laughs> ideas. Um, there's the idea about masculinity. Um, we had a couple of years back in the '90s uh, some researchers who insisted that there are no females in rock art. Mm -hmm. Um, which we have, we have uh, sexual intercourse scenes okay. and something. So um, that seems to be out of the window. Um, I'd say it it points to a sphere of masculinity. Mm. Um, although I think uh, the forest itself, as a, as a symbolized, uh, as a symbol for for something that's connected to this masculinity, it's not yeah. just man per se. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, clear, clearly again um, linked to an activity because I think after all there might be female fighters. We have female graves with um, with daggers. Okay. Which in cases where these daggers have been found in male graves, they tended to be called short swords. I see. So yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's a slight history of the yeah, exactly. playing. But I think overall fighting uh, warfare was in the male sphere. <clears throat> that doesn't prevent females from being in there, but I think predominantly. I see, yeah. And you mentioned that there's, part of your job is almost heritage management in that you're trying to draw together a resource that other people can research and yeah. um, understand cross-culturally, across um, yeah. wider geographic areas. So with that caveat in mind, is there, is the, styles of Bronze Age life you see in Scandinavian rock art? Is it similar and repeated elsewhere in the world or is it unique to this area? Um, no, I, I don't think it's, it's unique. Um, we just started up another project, which is led by Johan Ling. Um, <coughs> excuse me. 
because he found connections in the metal trade between Iberia and Scandinavia. And then we started, or he started looking at the, the rock art in both mm. regions. And there is a, I'll phrase it carefully because he's just starting, um, there's a certain cross between the motives. Mm -hmm. So you have wagon depictions, for example, which look very similar in, in, in both regions. You have your warriors, mm -hmm. but you also ha have the warriors in combination with specific sets of weaponry, for example. Uh, so it looks like there's something going on. Mm -hmm. Now we need to figure out whether or not this is due to a direct contact, or is it just a general idea mm -hmm. of warriorhood? Yeah. Um, that's sort of seeping throughout Europe. But that alone shows you that, that in Europe you have during the Bronze Age this idea of, of the warrior mm -hmm. as something or someone who has a certain amount of power, a degree of power. Yeah. Um, in other regions, it's weapon depositions, which mirror sort of what you find in rock art. Mm. So is that, do you think the power of a warrior is something controlled by the warrior themselves? Or do you feel that they're given that power by the people around them? Are they mm. sort of anointed the warrior for a community or do they take that power and take mm. that control? I think... Is, that's different throughout Europe, I'm okay. quite convinced. Mm. Um, I think in Scandinavia, at least in the early Bronze Age, it's um, uh, since, a, since a warrior is the one, but the group of warriors are the ones who give protection, potential mm. protection, and since we have no evidence of written laws or anything, yeah. um, they're the ones people flock to, I think, mm. and give them their power in that sense because they, they hope that they are protected. Yeah. Um, so it's a sort of reciprocal relationship. Yeah, yeah. They, they submit a little bit. But... Yeah. This is why I think we have... Denmark has 50,000 barrels, mm. many of which have weapons and, and other paraphernalia that sort of point towards warriors. Yeah. I think these are sort of local leaders I with see, small yeah. groups yeah. Uh, for relating. You have a different situations in, in southeastern Spain, in Elaga, where... Um, you will still find weapons in graves, but it's not as emphasized. Mm. And there it seems to be more of a city-state-like formation that you yeah. might have some form of rule. And then you have a class of warriors, which are sort of below. Yes, yeah, almost like a floating class in, in between yeah. rather than yeah. holding control. That's really interesting. So that was the first part of my interview with Christian, where I think you'll agree we covered some quite interesting topics. Yes. I, what I absolutely love <laughs> about that conversation, particularly towards the end, is you obviously moved on to the quite an interesting conversation about balances, and you absolutely had the opportunity to shy away from the subject. In... I think <laughs> things I knew it was coming. Um, it, I could, in my mind, I, I could either go down the sort of pubescent teenager route, which was really tempting, or to just be as serious about it as I could and actually the more I dug into it um, well it led well, it, 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 into quite an interesting subject I mean I certainly would have absolutely shown away but hopefully this is what's <laughs> going to be a clincher for what makes this podcast different <laughs> well, we can comfortably talk about knobs yes. <laughs> <laughs> it opened up this amazing avenue of these beautiful um Daggers and swords. Uh, what were they? What are they called again? As the swords and the short swords, or the short dagger and the sword. And there seems to be a bit of um, differentiation 
down to whether it's found with a male. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to go on to is that you've got these beautiful items that are buried, that are almost identical. One's buried with a man, one's buried mm. with a woman. But this early perception that they're a sword, a fighting article for a man, and they're just a cheeky little dagger for a woman. And yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's a it's a scene that kind of is sewn very deeply in our subject. I mean, mm. You look back to um, Gordon Child, one of the earliest. Um, archaeologist, sort of big archaeologist in our discipline, if um, when he was talking about basket weaving, potting, he'd refer to it as a craft. Mm -hmm. When he was talking about metallurgy, it was a proto-science done by <laughs> men and scientists. Yes. So there's, there's, there's a legacy of that that kind of permeates, I think, yeah. in, particularly in the study of rock art. Yeah, and I think certainly within our discipline at this time of, uh, of it going forward, it's quite an interesting subject to touch on. And yeah, well, I, I think, think things are changing, yeah. aren't they? And there's some great research out there that are really pushing the boundaries and mm. making sure that there's an equal observation of um, of yeah. male and female's representation within history. Yeah, we try very hard now not to judge the past for our own stereotypes, which is it's still easy to do and it's Absolutely. almost unavoidable, but mm. we can, we're aware of it, I think, more mm. now than we perhaps were. No, it's good. 20, 30 years ago. Was, yeah, I think that was interesting, as I say. Um, the other thing that caught my interest was chatting to him. Um, you obviously had those beautiful daggers and whether mm. whether they're a, um, a ceremonial item or mm. a functional item. And Christian's research obviously picked up that there's this use wear on, on oh, the, the halberds yeah. yeah so when, when I first met Christian he was he was all about weaponry that was his thing I think um something that we didn't touch on in in, in the interview when he was a when he was a younger man he was quite into Warhammer and things like that and, and games workshop and so I think weaponry really was what got him into thinking about archaeology in the past and he the first sort of forum we met was at a Bronze Age warfare conference where mm -hmm. um, he, he kindly invited me out sort of for a friend of a friend, Walfrey Rich, uh, our mutual colleague. And uh, it was a little bit, for me, I, I mean, I hadn't really look, looked into warfare, but the offer of a free trip to Sweden to go and present at a conference. I Sounds all right, I guess. Shoehorn my, yeah. my interest in. And actually it taught me a little bit about how to kind of manage a, a fun career, not necessarily a, a, a lucrative one, but being able to apply yourself to different contexts does get you into different mm. places around the world. And I think you and I would both, in a way, consider ourselves expert generalists in yeah. some sense, where we're quite willing to participate in things that are a little bit out of our comfort zone, but we can bring our own ideas, our own knowledge to it and mm. travel around the world, um, which through, isn't too bad. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the, yeah that's, that's, you're, you're absolutely right. And we're very fortunate on that front. I think also what you touched on just with that description is this this idea I think it's quite common within our profession you become a specialist in mm. inverted commas yeah. and you can become quite shoehorned into into just working in that area yeah you can make yourself an expert at only one job that there are very few of that's it and as you've just said very clearly <laughs> by doing that you, you perhaps restrict yourself yeah. I mean, we could be generalising a bit here but mm. it, by being an expert generalist um, you can get away with that but um, I think Christian demonstrated perfectly this this starting his research looking at this Bronze Age um, was it Bron Bronze Age Halbarns Halbarns yeah, and then um, Spiriax thing yeah <laughs> perfect description <laughs> um, but then moving on and finding finding his new interest in this mm. this rock art and his academic ability to be able to research the subject, approach it from a scientific um, manner, mm. uh, as any good academic would do, it means that he, you, you can move your interests, you can move your specialism. Yeah, he's, he's, he's taken a bit of a 
sweeping career change in a sense. The themes are still there that he wants to study, the warfare, the, the Bronze Age, particularly that time period. But he's he's almost found a new conduit through which to study mm. it. And um, we chatted a bit on and off before and after the interview about these these rock art panels, and they they tell an incredible story. And you can you can see why someone who is so interested in that period and so interested with as with Christian in um, rituals of warfare and violence how these panels could be so interesting because it's it's almost like a comic strip in a way and we'll, we'll you'll hear some some conversation about the the, the potential okay. comic aspects <laughs> later but it the panels tell a story and to someone in the past they would have told a very understandable story whereas to us they they tell a story that we can't we don't quite know the language mm. um, we try to we look for um, repeated symbolism repeated tropes um, one is um, there's a lot of uh, twins or twin type images in these these rock art panels, and Christian Christiansen, who's a is kind of a big deal in in Bronze Age archaeology, sees that as twin gods, um, and then you can kind of see that permeate into the Roman gods of Romulus and Remus and other later gods, and there's a potential to draw a line there between these very very old. I mean, this is a long time ago. This is what three four thousand BC, and yet there are tropes that we can see permeating through time quite neatly, which is. Mm. Quite interesting. When you say comic book, yep. are we talking Marvel Universe? Uh, uh, much more of a Beano. <laughs> <laughs> Should we listen to the rest of it? Yeah, let's carry on. In your in your current line of work, you, as, as I do, have a career in ruins, um, you lead presumably a fairly interesting life of going around and recording rock art and hanging out at universities and whatnot. Looking around to the people you know in archaeology, the professors, your colleagues, your friends, is there anyone you're particularly envious of their their life, their research, their career? Oh, <laughs> um, it's, it's usually the, of course, it's usually the dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm <laughs> apology for that. But um, we talked the other day about Richard Bradley. Yeah. Which has yeah. an insane, who has an insane output mm. of publications, books, I don't know how many, 12 or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a fiercely nice guy. That is what, well. yeah, yeah. If people keep, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the secret. It's like having a high output, having a high profile, but still being a nice person. Mm. Uh, the other one I have to point to is Christian Christiansen. Of course, yeah, yeah. Who's, incredible the, the the way he writes applications mm. and it drags in money is, is just incredible his stature is, is amazing everybody knows him everybody yeah. sort of and um he's not angry with you if you disagree yeah the, the worst thing i've heard from him is um i don't buy that that's... and that's sad. that would, then everything is fine again uh so yeah um being being halfway famous, yeah, yeah, um, but still keeping up the humanity—that's that's nice. A professor once said to me many years ago that it's up to his students to eventually prove him wrong. Um, yeah, I, I quite like that. Yeah. That's a kind of positive attitude that you should find in a professor, I think. So, given that you've you've mentioned Christian Christiansen as someone you are envious of and admire, it must have been quite a big deal to come and work with him quite early on in your career. Oh yeah, yes. I was terrified. <laughs> um, it's, um, he has this habit of uh, writing emails very late. Yeah. So when I applied for the job in Gothenburg in 2010, 
Um, I heard nothing for, I don't know, some time. And then one morning I woke up to find uh, I had an email written by him at 3.30 in the night. <laughs> Congratulations, you got the job. <laughs> KK. His uh, initials yeah, just yeah. underneath. And then uh, I was a bit confused. <laughs> I suppose with that much output, you can't waste time on yeah. long emails. You've got to <laughs> get to the point. <laughs> because, because uh, um, yeah, it was, it was a bit, you know, the official letters uh, came a bit later. It was just like, I think he was excited. <laughs> that's the other thing. He keeps up this kind of excitement for everything um, that he finds interesting. It's like, like a, in some sense, like a small boy. Um, yeah. So that was yeah. perfect. Something I think we can all aspire to. So, I've got one last question before I let you go. Um, Lawrence and I have been working for years now on building a functioning time machine. Okay. And uh, we've just just got it up to scratch. Okay. But you can only go to one place and do one thing. You can come back. Yeah. Where Where in history would you go, or prehistory, and what would you see and do? Oh wow! <laughs> that requires some preparation. <laughs> um, I think I would choose, according in in line with my current uh, work, yeah. I would choose a place and time in history where somebody is just making a rock art picture. Yeah, and I just want to see who he is and just ask him what he thinks. Why is he doing that? Uh, okay, because we have all these ideas. Why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in the end, you know, it's just a, you know taken away a, a rock a bit. <laughs> would you Would you be devastated if it was just a? the equivalent of a comic strip for just a, a fantasy world that completely divorced I, from their I, reality. I wouldn't because my the 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 I've also been concerned a lot with rock uh, with cup marks. Yeah, oh yeah. Just a yeah. small shallow yes. half ball things. Nobody knows what that is. It's not even uh, a picture, yeah, right? Yeah. And a friend of mine suggested, well, have you thought of that? Um, this might just be a punishment for naughty kids. <laughs> because we have five hundred thousand in 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 Scandinavia, yeah, or even yeah. more. I think there was such a simple explanation. It was so little Joey go off and epic. make yeah, exactly. it. Just, yeah, exactly. Come on, make it up, my yeah. You, you've been naughty. Yeah, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> it's, I wouldn't be. No, I wouldn't be terribly sad. It would just be interesting because sometimes I think we have so high flying ideas, and then yeah. you encounter someone from outside. It's like very. It could be something so mundane. Yeah, that, exactly. Which is quite, it, quite appealing. Yeah, yeah. And um, if it is, I yeah, it would. So I wouldn't mind. I don't think it is, but I wouldn't mind. So you're there. Uh, okay, so you're in our time machine. You've made great use of it. You've gone back and you've there's someone etching away, scratching away in a rock somewhere in Scandinavia. Is there anything you'd add to the rock art to confuse future archaeologists? Um, yes, i tell you why and i tell you what. Um, <laughs> we have in Gothenburg a rock art site, mm. which is not protected because it is fairly recent. Okay. Um, and somebody chose uh, to uh, carve into the rocks a sausage. <laughs> I think it's just brilliant. I think this site should be protected. Um, sausage on thing. <laughs> and, you know, in order to make these images protected uh, and spread a bit of doubt in archaeology, mm. I would probably Add some carve a sausage into one of the Bronze Age panels. Hi. I, I'm going to take it to a very serious note now. <laughs> <laughs> is, there a, is there a scale of pictographic reference you use to separate a phallus from a sausage? 
Oh, um, we have no, we have no sus, uh, no phalluses um, without a human body. Okay, uh, no, okay. Just so you, you can't have a sausage alone. No, it's, at least it's not identified yet. I don't know. Okay, okay. A promising career for somebody else. So sausage rocker, that's the yeah. future. Yeah, there oh. might just be one depiction if you get your time machine to be working. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, well, thank you very much for talking to me. It's been, it was a pleasure. Been a pleasure, a joy, and. Uh, come and interview in a few years time when you've been back in time or when you found some sausages. When my career's in ruins. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, wow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I tried my best to move away from fallacies. I mean, there's so many <laughs> things. Right I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where to start. But <laughs> uh, start to start with, we started this podcast, and I asked you if it was about dinosaurs, and you said no. Ah, it's a very different dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's not carry on that route. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not sure how flattering. I, mean, it is I like to, to think that's <laughs> right, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> These so, are good dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, the best. <laughs> um, Christians made great use of that time machine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, first, they're one of the best so far, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, well, do you think it's a comic book strip? <laughs> Is it the original Captain Caveman or? Oh, oh. it's just too many, too many good titles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, no, I, I like that joke, but. Um, yeah, I think I, that's a really good concept going back to work out. Is it, I mean, I, I doodle in my sketch pad. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you were to inscribe our our six-form notebooks on a rock <laughs> for <laughs> prosperity, I, it would tell a very different story to, I think, the one we, we'd like. <laughs> <laughs> very valid point. I'm not sure what you mean, actually. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, There'd be some similarities, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean... The, the time machine's ours to use. As well. I know we give free tickets, mm. one-off yeah, tickets. Yeah, yeah. we, we don't give everyone. I mean, time just, travel is dangerous. It is dangerous, but we're responsible. We have signed <laughs> well, a uh, time yeah. travel accord to say that we won't cause too many problems. Yeah, no paradoxes. Oh, yeah. But do you fancy just nipping back maybe a day or two before Christian gets there? And just leaving a couple of bits of rock art there to just screw with him in his research a bit later down I the think line. that's a great idea. Or the day after. Day after, oh, so, he so, know, yeah, yeah. so he doesn't know it's so there. It. Yeah. What, yeah. Are you gonna, what are you going to do? Oh, it's a really tough question. There's the world of possibility. I, I, I wish I'd thought about this more. I quite like the idea of doing a full English breakfast. More, so more sausages. He's got the sausage. Yeah. Let's get a fried egg in there. Yeah, yeah. Hash brown. I mean, I, I like the idea of um, animals that didn't ought to be there, there, just to Ooh, shake things up a bit. You, the first ever depiction of a, a unicorn. unicorn. Yes, my daughter would love that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just etch out all the fallacies so he doesn't have a career. <laughs> <laughs> Turn them all into sausages. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, this has been a very... Or sausage. maybe maybe actually take Stickman from the kids' book and etch some, some real Stickman in yeah, there. Yeah, Stickman, oh, Stickman. Yeah, good. Good, I like that A bit of well. action, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Endless possibilities. Um, I think that was a fascinating interview, actually, and it was nice to have Christian being so candid with... Uh, it's always nice to know who people admire to be or what projects they admire to work towards. And It's quite fun as well. I, 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 we've chatted off mic a lot about why we decided to do this podcast. It's not, not just to help people sleep. A nice outcome is getting to know people I thought I knew a little bit better. So, mm. um, obviously, I, I, I know 
a bit about what Christian does. I I know what beer he likes to drink. I know what video games he likes to play. Mm -hmm. um, but actually learning a bit about his background and a bit of his career, I hadn't really dug into that with him on that level. So it was quite nice to get a bit of an insight into an old friend in That's that it. respect. Um, and I'm looking forward to doing a few more. That's it. So next week we've got Steve Fisher. Yep. Um, who's going to be talking about a little bit about Stonehenge, a mm. little bit about um, military history along the south coast of England. Uh, should be quite an interesting one, I think. And, uh, yeah. But uh, top work. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Career and Ruins podcast. Please make sure that you subscribe to our downloads on whatever whatever system you receive your podcast from. Make sure you comment. Do send us any questions or thoughts you have on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page. And uh, we'll, we'll look to try and to reply to as many questions as we can, hopefully in the podcast as well. And sound production on this episode has been done by Guy from BucketofSound.com.